Welcome to Absolute Bedlam Podcast. Hope everyone's having a delicious, religious pancake Tuesday. Hello, Connor. How are you? Good evening. Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you doing? Oh, wow. You sound very loud. Oh, mate. Sorry. I've got some headphones in, so maybe yeah. I'll just speak quietly. <laughs> no, that's cool. Yeah, all good. Have you had a pancake? No, not yet. So uh, my missus is actually quite upset with me that uh, <laughs> I have to make up for, for it and make one after we finish. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. What what's your uh what's your go to when you have your pancake? Um, I'll I'll probably have um. I mean, I would say honey normally, but uh, being the, the vegan that I am, I have a honey alternative that I use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, uh, honey. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have any sugar on top because it's sweet enough. I think. How about you? So, this is an abomination, but this is basically my entire life in a nutshell. So I've just had four blueberries. Yeah. What, four, four blueberries or four pancake blueberries? Uh, one pancake, well, well, two pancakes in total. Okay. The first one was a test. So four blueberries, three raspberries, sugar. Oh, man. <laughs> lemon juice. Oh, man. And, and chocolate spread. Oh, dude, that sounds epic. It was like a log. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't much of a pancake. Nice. No, but good. yeah, amazing. No regrets. It's good, good. Incredible. Awesome. But yeah, I want to uh, want to know what people's uh, go-to pancakes fillings are. So uh, please get involved and let, let me know on Instagram and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but yeah, um, I haven't really spoken to you in a while, Connor. So I just want to uh, rattle off some stuff if that's all right with you. Yeah, yeah. I think the, first, the last time we probably spoke was uh, back down in Weymouth. I mean, we've chatted since yeah. online, but uh, nothing like this. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just want to know how COVID has been for you overall. Obviously, we're still kind of in the middle of it, but I think there's a light at the end of the tunnel now. But I just want to see, for all my guests, really, how it's uh, affected their lives and their mental health and all that sort of stuff, really. Yeah, so uh, COVID, uh, f- f- work-wise, um, hasn't impacted me all that much. I've, just, I've gone from working in office to working at home. Yeah. Um, and the work that I do, I work with people remotely anyway, so... I, I've been busier now than I have been ever, which is it's good, it's good in one way because it's kept me busy and uh, occupied. Um, but yes, yeah, the downside of that is that you're really busy, so that sucks. Mm. Um, uh, my personal life, so my my uh, fiance, she was furloughed for uh, like six months or something like that. Oh my God! Um, and so she was at home, and yeah. no, it, it, it was nice having the company, I suppose. But I think she was getting a little bit tired of it in the end, and she ended up changing jobs. Um, right. <laughs> uh, and yeah, no, from a, a mental health perspective, it it, it was okay. Uh, you know, I was at home. I, I was coping okay until the big the big change for me was when the clocks changed, and it yeah. it got dark at about what, four o'clock or something like that. Because like, I was working till gone five, and the nor- and in a normal summer's day, I would go out for a walk and you know get some fresh air and stretch my legs. But when it's dark and, and miserable in the winter, which it always is in the UK. Um, then you wake up when it's dark in the morning, you finish work, it's dark. You don't really want to go outside in the horrible weather. So that's when it started to affect me a little bit more than what it had done before. Yeah, no, I get that. I'm the same. I'm, uh, I'm always up for a walk after work. Mm. But, um, I've found, and I've mentioned this on previous episodes, that it really blurred the lines between real life and work. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I think this one time I made a joke with some of my friends. I, I videoed my commute to work and it was about, Eight steps, I think. Yeah. From my yeah, yeah. my main bedroom to my spare bedroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, 
I'm quite a worker as it is. Like I do genuinely find it quite hard to switch off from work. Um, mm-hmm. Pre-pandemic as well, really. I've always been one of those people. So um, to literally have it at your doorstep, like not even having to get into your car. Mm. Like, don't get me wrong, it saved me hundreds and hundreds of pounds in fuel. Yeah, right. I, I love that at the beginning, but it's sort of leveled out now because yeah. I'm spending the money on something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've just spent all my um, spare money that I've saved on meal deals, but we'll, we'll get into that. Don't <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it's um, it's a bit of a weird time at the moment. Mm, like, how's, um, how's the face mask situation? Is it, is it all good? Yeah, so for, for me, it's fine. So I'm, I only really wear a face mask when I go into like a, a supermarket. Uh, I don't really go out too much and I'm working from home. So for, for me, it's not too much of an issue. Um, my, yeah. my, my partner, she works in the hospital and she wears one for about nine hours a day, every day, which sucks for her. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So we obviously alluded to earlier that we met at Finn's, which is pretty much 99% of my entire audience base at the moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you were in a band called Old Boy. Yes, yeah, I was. Uh, the band is no longer together, which is a shame. Uh, but, so, yeah, go on. Go on. I, I was going to say, uh, the, 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 speaking of Finns, like, uh, I think mm-hmm. we played there maybe three times, and all three times, it was it was just epic. Like, I, I can't recall a bad show at Finns. It was such a great place yeah. to go and play. They were very, um, what's the word? We're very facilitative of new bands especially bands of your genre which was kind of like hardcore sort of post rock mm-hmm. um yeah i think Finns has always been a sort of epicenter for talent and up and coming bands and all that sort of stuff absolutely i mean not not only i mean I was, I was we were a small band uh but there was a show that i i didn't end up going to i wanted to uh for when creeper played there with another band called grader um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's the first time that I'd seen bands of that scale. Um, you know, cause Creeper were very much on the up at the time, go and play, mm. uh, you know, a, a pub like Finns. Uh, yeah, Finns, I have a very fond memory of that place. So I really enjoy going there. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Griever because I was, I was in Griever for about eight months, I think. No, I disagree. I mean, I mean Creeper. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, but I, yeah. I didn't realize you were in Griever because I, I know, yeah. I know the Griever guys really well. They were, they were good friends, well, are good friends of mine. <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, they've um, recently called it a day, haven't they? Or are they still? They did. Uh, When when were you in Griever? Was it early days? I was was a second bassist. So uh, Dave Moore, Johnny Halpin. They were trying to find a permanent drummer. uh, Luke Davis as well, I think it was. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, Because um, they were the four members and they really struggled finding a um, decent bassist. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Drummer. I've played a few shows, or some shows with those that those lot exactly before they were the, the, the more recent lineup. Yeah. And on drums, uh, the more permanent one I think was named Lewis. Um, yeah. That was the guy who, who was there more permanently when I knew them. But yeah, they they were a four piece for a while. Yeah. Yeah, this was like way before they started like goffing up and going on stage and like putting makeup and stuff on. Oh, I see. You know, yeah. Doing, was it corpse paint? Is that what it's called? Maybe, but yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, I mean, it, it suited them really, and it was yeah. it was good. It's good to see them, but, but yeah, they they, mm. they they changed a lot, didn't they, until their most recent form? I think John yeah. Johnny was the only like, last member. Yeah, yeah, he was absolutely dedicated. I don't, I don't know how he does it because I've I've been in that situation in the past where I've been like a operations manager, and it's bloody hard work. Yeah, yeah. And he had two jobs as well, and it's just like, mate, you're 
like you're a machine. Yeah, I don't know how. Oh, respect to it to all the guys in Greenwood. They they were really yeah. uh, really awesome. Just just to know, and they put a lot of dedication into their music as well. Yeah, they're all very very talented. Mm. Um, I'm glad that they found an image though. Like speaking of Creeper, which I've misheard you earlier, <laughs> they've done a really good job with that. Yeah, so they they take a lot of inspiration, I think, from the likes of David Bowie and AFI, where yes. um, they they're going very much for like album cycles and and big images, and that uh, I mean, I'm, I'm quite late to the Creeper bandwagon. Um, it's mm. when they were in the last album cycle that I got into them massively, and it, it became apparent when they did the the, the closing ceremony, um, and then they went quiet and then did did this new cycle they're in now, which is yeah, it's it's yeah. It's, it's, it's good to see because not many bands do it that effectively i think yeah they they went like what's the word like dark radio silent for a couple of months didn't they? Mm -hmm. and it's quite hard to um imagine that really from a person that's probably on his phone too much (laughs) at the moment yeah yeah. shout out to griever and creeper absolutely validation (laughs) (laughs) but yeah um i filmed your um set at Finn's when I met you for the first time. Uh, I filmed Ronson and everything else kind of just sounded like it was recorded in a elevator. So I binned it. Right. But I put Bronson up and I think to this day it's got nearly a hundred views on my YouTube channel. Um the best YouTube channel videos that I do are the ones where I don't talk because I I just go on and on and on. Hence this podcast being created, really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I so, think um, I'm at least maybe ten of those views because uh, I, I was really excited. Yeah. I was really excited to see that. Um, not many people had ever recorded us, and yeah. um, that particular song had, had quite a, a big bass line. Um, yeah, and it was only after watching it back I think we made one or two mistakes in the song, which was quite embarrassing to, to listen to. Yeah. But it, it was, I think, personally quite cool to listen to some a recording of of, of that song. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I always, um, if I interviewed bands, I'd always make a conscious effort to try and record a song mm. to kind of explain who you guys are and to give people a sort of peek behind the curtain. Because otherwise, it's just me chatting to some people in my car. And I wanted to kind of give some context as to, right, well, I've just spoken to this band for 20 minutes. This is what they actually sound like. This is one of their songs from the set that I've just watched sort of thing. Um, and that was always a bit of a buzz for me, really, that I was able to sort of, because I'd well and truly sort of taken myself out of the music scene from a musician at that stage. So I really wanted to sort of keep the, the fire burning, so to speak, in a sort of behind the scenes way. Um, and it is a bit weird, a random bloke in Weymouth coming up to you saying, fancy jumping in my car and having a chat. But I think uh, a lot of people were genuinely quite up for it. And it was um, something that I don't regret doing. I um, I watched Eternal Endeavours um, interview a couple of days ago because I had uh, the pleasure of being on, on the Isolation Booth podcast with John Belfield. Mm. And um, there was a point where he was ranting because that was like my thing. I was known for like ranting and like just going mental whilst I was driving, basically. And my mum told me to stop doing it because I was going to roll my car, <laughs> which is a fair point. Um so yeah john did a bit of a rant about old people in the video if you want to watch it it's ben garbert on youtube yeah i, I remember i think you, you asked a similar question about what what frustrates you or something like that yeah that was it and john's uh rant was so powerful that it actually knocked my phone off the phone holder in the car. <laughs> no yeah i was so, gonna say yeah you know a big respect for um putting that effort in and, and recording and, and interviewing yeah. bands because just being in a small band myself at the time 
it, 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 was, it was nice, you know. It was nice to be asked to do such a thing and for someone to take an interest. Yeah. Yeah, because um, <laughs> there was a few times where I was, like, interviewing kind of... I um I asked, I think it was Rusty from Brotherhood of the Lake, and he was like, what press are you from? And I was like, uh, Ben Garbutt Productions. <laughs> The uh the Vauxhall Mariva Limited Company. Press. You know, just like, I'm just by myself, mate. I yeah, I think um when we had a promotions company like Hourglass Promotions, I reference it quite a lot in this. Mm-hmm. I was like all steam ahead. I was like fully involved in everything and every band that was going on and knew about all the lineup changes and all the music videos that were coming out from all the bands. And, that sort of mm. thing. and it's really hard to sort of escape that fully to go like cold turkey so i wanted to try and keep myself sort of bobbing along and not go mental mm. but um, that was like just before my son was born um and obviously he took up a lot of my time as as they should yeah that's probably so quite I... fair <laughs> but yeah no, that was all oh, good. good so just a little bit of a left field question off mm-hmm. that but i did say i was going to ask you it so i want to know what your favorite video game is connor so I'm going to sound probably sound quite boring here. So I, I mean, um, this will come in a few different factors. So traditional games. Uh, I mean, my I did play the Sega, but my my main gaming was around the PS One era. So I think from there, mm. um, my my favorite video games. One was called uh, Croc, The Legend of of Gobos. Oh, yeah. That was yeah, an man. excellent yeah. game. Um, and also, I, I played the original Spyro game. Um, which yeah. brings me on to so the, the, the newer gen consoles, um, well, the PS4 I've got, uh, I, they remastered Spyro, and I, I bought the trilogy of that, and I played that, and it was really, really great. Yeah, um, apart apart yeah. from that, I, I'm quite boring when it comes to games, things like uh, Call of Duty shooters. Um, I'm not much of a FIFA fan, to be fair. Uh, no, yeah, I think Call of Duty is probably the safest thing for me. I don't play too many games at the moment, but when I do, it's nice to play something that I'm familiar with. Yeah. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned Croc because um, I forgot about that game existed. Oh, it's an excellent game. There was a point in that though where um, you're on like a hang glider and you're kind of like floating above this volcano and you're trying to like go for all the hoops. I don't know if you remember this. You're probably just like, what the hell? Is I don't remember about? that level, no. But there's like a really cool ambient music when it's like when you're descending this like volcano. Mm. I'm going to have to YouTube it in a bit now. Yeah, find, find the track. Yeah, yeah that would be cool. Yeah, it was weird. It, it was like really calming. And I was probably about sort of, I don't know, 10 or 11. And I knew at that point that like that was a calming piece of music. Cool. Uh, yeah, Croc was a cool game. I think they were called um, Gobos. Oh, is that it? Okay. Yeah, and they're like little guinea pig type yeah, things. That's it, that's it. Yeah, that's it. I remember it being just so, um, you know, quite fun. I mean, at the age that I was playing, I was never too serious into games and understanding them, really. But yeah. it was just, you know, having a little turtle-like character, whatever, whatever he was, yeah, it was yeah. just it was quite cool. Yeah, he's a crocodile. Oh, he's croc. He's called, oh, God, what a fucking yeah. idiot. He's called croc, and I think yeah. he's a turtle. That's all right. They're shoes now, mate. Don't worry <laughs> about it. As long as you haven't got a pair of them. <laughs> no, I haven't. I'll uh, keep chatting to you. <laughs> no, I haven't. You're safe. That's cool, but yeah, that was a good game. I think you had to collect gems. You yes. had to like get a color from zone or domain. Or yeah, that's it, was. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, my um my go to game for the PS One was Tekken, 
Nice. And uh, Wipeout. And wipe. Oh, Wipeout the um the the sort of pod racer game. Yeah, yeah, I played that. Yeah, it was like three pod racer. It was like you were basically like this triangle kind of a a kind of like an X wing mm. from Star Wars. Yes, yeah, yeah. And the music to that was amazing. I always had an ear for music. Uh, Gran Turismo as well. I was oh, yeah. Really into I, I, I played Gran Turismo 3. That was my first Gran Turismo. Um, and, and that was epic. Yeah, is that the one with Feeder? Hmm? Is that the one with Feeder in? I think they did. Just yeah. And they had the... that, that, like, uh, I'm quite a big Feeder fan, actually. And that, that, was, that was the yeah, first so... Feeder track that I actually heard. It really mm, got me into yeah. it. Just got a brand new yeah, car. Yeah, that, that's yeah, what everyone so... thinks. Because... Drink cider from a mm. lemon, lemon, lemon. <laughs> yeah. Is it lemon or uh, lemon? Lemon. Drink cider from a lemon. It's drink cider yeah. from a lemon. Yeah. What a bunch of pretentious Brilliant lyric, yeah. <laughs> I've actually uh, DM'd Grant Nicholas from Fido asking if he wants to come on. He hasn't read it, but I'm There's sure. There's always hope. Yeah, I've always been one of these people that like throws things out to the universe, and I think that if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, then at least yeah, that'd be really cool if he does. Because from what I've seen, he's posted a lot of like lockdown videos of him playing guitar. So maybe he's got a spare time. Yeah. Oh, just before this podcast, I was actually watching Jamie Lenman from Ruben, and I um I messaged him saying, "What what do I have to do? Who do I have to uh chat up to uh get you on my podcast?" I'm not sure if he's read it or anything, but. If you don't try people, then you really, really won't get anywhere. So just, just give it exactly. A if you don't, you don't, you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. So just off the back of that left field question, I don't think I've even spoken to you about this one. Go on. <laughs> I want to know if you could be an animal. What animal would you be, and why? Because I'm trying to keep it fresh here. On <laughs> the I just want to keep asking the same questions over. Okay. Over. So uh, I'll, I'll answer it twice in two different ways so my gut my, my gut feeling okay. to the monkey um is it is, is okay. it's an animal that i've always uh, growing up loved um uh I, I just think i think they're really cute and they hang around in trees and they can climb a lot and i think it's even more fitting now they eat a lot of fruit so me being vegan that's probably hand in hand oh, there yeah. you go um yeah. second thing is, is a cat so i i have two cats and since uh having a cat i've grown the appreciation of how little they do how much they get for free so yeah uh, I, i'd be either of those so the, the monkey because uh, I, I i think i want to be but a cat because life seems really easy yeah it definitely is easy yeah servant go and fetch me my that's it food. and then i'm often the servant leave my castle. that's it yeah clean yeah. my castle <laughs> rather yeah don't feed castles how about you uh, what, what would um, you be have you told everyone before yeah so I remember very specifically at school we had to do an assignment on mm-hmm. animals, and I really lent into spiders, Ooh. which I now yeah man, I hate spiders. I, I'm not one of these people that jumps like seven feet in the air when they see one or mm. anything like that. But I remember changing my thing from a spider to a shark, and I was really into sharks because I, I live near the seaside, and I was absolutely obsessed with like the idea that a shark could come to shore yeah. and stuff like that. Absolutely obsessed with hammerhead sharks oh, yeah. specifically, and like learning that they can only see, you know, from the side. I just thought that that was absolutely hilarious, and I, I was just infatuated by like tiger sharks, lemon sharks, um, yeah, just any any shark really. Okay, I've got a question about sharks. If you could help me, um, uh, I don't know if it's sure. a myth. Um, sharks, if they stop moving forward, mm. will they start to drown? 
I've heard a couple of types of sharks are okay. like that, but I don't think for the vast majority. I think that's a very sort of QI okay. thing. That's like a wife's tale to the point where it's like generally accepted yeah. as a thing. You hear people say that about themselves, don't you? Like, oh, I'm like a shark. I've got to keep moving. And it kind of cemented itself in our society, I think. But to answer your question, I don't think that is true. Okay. Well, thank you for clearing it up. Uh, I, was, I was very concerned. <laughs> yeah. You've got a lovely um, thing here in Weymouth called the Speed mm. Life Centre. I remember specifically reading like an info board saying this isn't actually true. And then it went on after that to like explain exactly in context, like, you know. But yeah, I think sharks do touch the bed of the ocean and they sometimes like sleep in it and they camouflage themselves right. in it. I'm not sure if that's absolutely like gospel or anything like that, but they are very, very interesting. They creatures. are um, quite scary. So I'll, I'll leave you to deal with the shark tonight. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But my current favourite animal, and it has been for about 15, 16 years now, mm, is penguins. Very cool. I, I think that they're absolutely mm-hmm. hilarious. Uh, it's a shame that I can't have one because A, I'd need a swimming pool in my back garden and B, they actually stink. Do they? They are disgusting creatures. Yeah, they just eat fish. So you can imagine their yeah. breath. And they've actually got like massive teeth as well because they can like guzzle down a whole fish in one go. But like the comedic side of penguins is what does the, it's what does it for me is they are just constantly sliding around and like pushing each other and they're actually really clever, like the way they huddle in the winter to try and keep Yeah, I was just about to say this. So I, I'm sure you've seen it on some of like the Attenborough documentaries yeah. about when they're in the Antarctic. Mm. Uh, seeing all, all the yeah. colonies of penguins is really, really interesting. And how, like, the, the once the mothers give birth, the fathers look after the egg and the mothers go look, look for food, right? Yeah. Yeah, they put the egg under the flaps mm. of their feet to try and yeah. it. And male penguin goes to the closest beach and tries to find, like, a heart-shaped rock. And tries to sort of uh, flirt his way to the top of the female oh, penguin. Oh. Um, that's kind of like the whole animal kingdom, really, is uh, constantly trying to court each other and uh, mating calls. And I think uh, baby penguins can only hear a specific frequency that their mother mm. gives off. Like you can imagine, there's like 20,000 penguins that you'll hear one specific cry. And the baby will know mm. that's their mum. And there's like a thing in movies. I don't know if it's specific to penguins, but I think it's birds in general. The first thing they see, they think is their mum. Oh, okay. Well, they like attach themselves so to it or something. So. Yeah, they grow like a sort of emotional bond to the thing that mm. they see first. But yeah, there we, we go. A bit about them. So what I'm going to do is I'm just quickly going to drop off for a sec. I'm going to re-add you because I don't know if you've noticed in past episodes, but there's a bit of an audio delay past okay. 20 minutes. So um, I'm just going to quickly run an ad and then I'm going to chat some more about Old yep, Boy. Yeah, sounds good. Right with you. So stay okay. tuned. Just a quick reminder that you're listening to Absolute Better Than Podcast. Uh, Just a quick shout out to my sponsor, Grind, who are a Weymouth-based fitness company. Uh, They're Weymouth-based, I'm Weymouth-based, so it seems like a natural fit for a sponsorship to start with. They are a sportswear, crossfit, weightlifting sportswear company. And I've been given some stuff by them recently, and it's all absolutely fantastic. 
uh, washed it a few times. It's been exactly the same style-wise. Uh, it's not lost any colour or anything like that. Um, and, yeah, it's just a really nice bit of clothing to wear, really. Um, a lot of people wear it for, like, triathlons and stuff like that, long distance. So, um, I've yeah, like I say, I've not had any issues with any of it. It's, it's fantastic. So, uh, big up to uh, Clayton at Grind. Um, yeah, that's that's all I've wanted to say quickly. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in any of their stuff, then feel free to drop me a message. I know um, Grind on Instagram, which is G R N D. If you shoot them a message, they'll get back to you in probably about twenty minutes. Any any inquiries or anything like that that you need to know about, just shoot them a message. I think. Um, I'll leave a website link in the episode of this podcast down below. And I think currently they're doing some sort of Valentine's Day, February month deal, which is uh, buy one, get one free. Something like that. Let's have, let's have a look. But yeah, nice one. Cheers, Grind. And back to the podcast. Welcome back. Just quickly off the back of that Grind advert. Um, so I think they've got a Valentine's Day deal on at the moment. So check out their Instagram for the code. I think it's something like Valen 21 or something like that. So uh, apologies if that is wrong, but always check your sources because I do talk a lot of rubbish. <laughs> so welcome back, Connor. So I want to know, how did Old Boy start? Uh, what is your musical avenue at the moment? Obviously, COVID's probably knocked it out of the park like everything else. And um, I just want to know sort of how that came about and more specifically how you managed to get a gig in Weymouth because I think... If memory serves, you're from up north, aren't you? I'm, I'm from Cornwall, personally. Ah, um, I, I live up north a bit now. Right. Um, yeah, I live in Lincoln at the moment, uh, which suits me for my current band. I'll come on to that. But, uh, yes, yeah, okay. so, old boy. Um, the band was going for about six months or so, uh, maybe a year before I joined, and their vocalist dropped out. Um, um, I met the, the guitarist called Jacob, a good, a good friend of mine, um, in Salisbury, where he lived, and I went to uni. Um, through that, I went for a practice and met all the other guys um, in Bournemouth because we were a Bournemouth-based band. Um, yeah. Then, yeah, it, it just sort of went on from there. Um, so can you hear me okay? I'm not sure if there's any feedback. Yeah, you're fine, mate. Yeah, yeah, fine. Okay. Yeah, so by the time I joined... Um, uh, it, was, it was my very first band so I was really new to it um, yeah. but uh, looking back it was a really awesome experience but yeah we, we, were, we were all really young um, I was in uni the rest of the guys were in college yeah. um, and th- how we ended up going to Finns uh, we, we just played as many shows as we could mm-hmm. so being from around Bournemouth Southampton or so Weymouth was a, a good option so I think we got offered I'm not. I didn't sort out many of the shows. I think guitarist Jacob did a lot of that, a lot stuff. Of that stuff. Yeah. But what we did was just played as many shows as we can. We we booked almost everything ourselves. Um, yeah. we we often often played for next to nothing, uh, just to cover fuel costs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we 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 toured the UK a couple of times, and then we even eventually toured Europe once. Oh right. Uh, and we we booked it all ourselves. Well, no, sorry, Europe. I went through. Um, I paid a guy to book the shows for us. But, uh, yeah, it, it was a bit... The attitude with that band, because it was so new to all of us, just like, 
we should do what we want now. We would go and book a tour. So we had some friends in Scotland, so we did book a show in Scotland. Also, we hopped on a show in Scotland from yeah, from, yeah. from friends and other bands. Yeah, um, that's sort of how it started. Just p- playing some local shows. You got to, to meet people uh, who were in, from other places and in, in other bands, and you get you know build friendships there, and then you yeah. sort of go on shows with your friends eventually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, that, yeah that, that, that was. was yeah. really great uh i enjoyed that band a lot it's a shame it came to an end but it just sort of ran its cycle um i moved away up, up to lincoln and the rest of the guys went to uni and yeah it just just, just broke away yeah no i get that never underestimate the power of a good gig swap absolutely <laughs> it benefited us a lot um it just yeah just through meeting people really um and then yeah. you know i think going back to griever as an example i think we met just one or two of those guys at, at a show. We supported them on, on a show, yeah. became friends, and then we played more and more shows with them. Yeah. So that was great. Um, yes. When you have a band that you can kind of rely on to complement your sound and to kind of add something new, you don't really want to be on a punk rock lineup if you're a hardcore band. Oh, you but say that, though. Right. I've got, some, way, I've got some amazing examples of when we were on some really strange bills. Yeah, go for it, mate. Go for it. So that we, yeah. So we were like a, a metalcore, hardcore band. Yeah. We went to play this Battle of the Band up in Doncaster for um, uh, what's the fest that While She Sleeps guy uh, set up? Sleeps Fest is that what it's called? No, I think it's something else. I'm talking rubbish. What is it? Uh, That's the fest. No, not that one. It, it, it was in Doncaster. It, it was what's the venue called? Uh, it doesn't matter. Anyway, there's a battle of the bands, and we, we entered one of the rounds. So we yeah. drove we drove up to to um to, to, to this venue in Doncaster, and uh, we we were put on the same bill as like these like Nazi dads. They um it was the weirdest sort of rock punk attempt band, but they they just sort of started. Uh, doing like the Zico with their arms and stuff uh, midway through their set. Really, yeah. really weird. Mm. Really weird. Um, that was one example. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I mean, if we go into the details, we're never on like majorly obscure bills, but sometimes it was like just a, a weird punk band and we'd be like the heaviest band on the bill um, yeah, in, in a few occasions. But then it got to the point where we were starting to... to choose the shows it wanted to be on based on the bands that we, that we knew were on there so we could try to fit in a little bit more yeah no, I get that um, yeah. so that being old boy uh, I'm now into a, a new band um, the, the, the band is based in Birmingham which is only about an hour and a half from me um, yeah. this band's called Severance um, oh yeah I, I, I'm really happy to be a part of this band um, the, the music was written uh, by a couple really good musicians and friends of mine who uh, one's in the band called deck um the other one's not in the band anymore called jack um yeah. and it was written for a really long time um mu- music wise but they hadn't had any vocals i think a few people had come in and out and not been able to commit and so it was through twitter that uh, i knew deck um, i wasn't a million miles away from so i said yeah let's give it a go and i think uh just having listened to a few of my other pieces like with old boy uh, he yeah. he was happy, and then uh, I got through all the instrumentals, wrote all the lyrics in a, a few weeks, 
and we went over and recorded I think six songs in a day. It was really really tough day. Wow, fair was, enough. Um, but yeah, so so that EP is out um, on I think all all platforms. If anyone wants to listen to it, um, I'm really proud of that EP. Uh, it's a, a a mix of metalcore and hardcore. Um, yeah, so the EP is called uh, Shallow Hill for You to Die On, and the band is. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, the, the band's called Severance. So, um, I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely give it a listen. I wasn't sure what um what the band was called. I thought it was something like Deference. No, that's the Southampton band, isn't it? Deference. Yeah. What I'll do is I'll um I'll put a link in this episode description if anyone wants to check that out. Um, Connor definitely goes for it. He, he did go for it in Old Boy, which kind of caught my attention and uh, got me in the car with him, sort of thing. <laughs> that sounds dodgy. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It never gets any better, mate. Nice. Yeah, thanks. Welcome to my life. That's <laughs> all right. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check that out. I've been listening to Heart of a Coward quite religiously lately. So uh, if it's if it's anything like that, then I'm I'm all in. But I'll, I'll listen to anything, mate. Nice. Yeah. Anything like um, I'll, bed. I'll send through some links after this and give the socials and stuff. So if anyone wants to listen, they can. Yeah, nice one. So you got a new EP. Or is it a uh, relatively old EP at this stage? Well, yeah, so it's an old EP now. It came out last February, or almost a year to the day. All right. Um, but so we had some shows booked for around April time. And as everyone knows, COVID kicked everything out out, out the window. Didn't it just? And not been able to play a show since. So I've been in this band for over a year now. Um, we've had a music out for over a year and we've done absolutely fuck all. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel like the whole music scene and the whole arts has just been completely left. And the pause button is well and truly pressed down at the moment, isn't it? I think so. Uh, you can understand, though. I mean, I, th- yeah. I think back to when I used to play shows, um, I would always use the house microphone and just think how much spit and crap is on that microphone that I was putting that in my mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. I think just in general we are quite disgusting people. <laughs> yeah, whole, I think you're right. Ben Garbert calls out the whole human race on the recent episode of Absolute Bedlam. <laughs> no, just yeah, we are quite disgusting. Like I've definitely um, fallen foul of washing my hands in five seconds in the past, and now I really genuinely like put some time into you know. Or is it you should sing happy birthday twice or something like that now? Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I definitely recognise that my personal hygiene was probably pretty crap before COVID. Yeah, going around shaking people's hands. Yeah, how weird is that? And hugging people. How weird. Sneezing and then opening doors and just, yeah. Grim. Nah, it makes me gudder now. I ain't about that. Shut the doors on people. Bottom. That's it. That just stay inside. So, just off the back of Old Boy and uh, potentially your new band, if, um, if you want to, I want to know the best gig you've played. And off the back of that, I also want to know the best gig that you've been to as a punter. Okay. So you can start whichever one you want first. I'm going to say best gig we played was um, in Glasgow. Uh so some of the guys, not me personally, I mean, they're now good friends of mine. But before the show, the guys had some friends in Glasgow. Um, and friends of a friend was putting on on the show, a guy called Connor. Um, they put us on as support for, for their band um, in this venue called Shadow Sound in Glasgow. And 
without any expectation, we rocked up. And it was one of the dates on this tour that we were on that we booked ourselves. And yeah. um, the, the show popped off way more than any of us expected. Yeah. yeah. It was ridiculous. Uh, the amount of moshing that we did not expect to see um, was absolutely mental. And, and for a band that was so small at the time, and we still were even at the end, but that, that no one locally there had really heard of us, the amount of people that moshed and really got in, into the gig was absolutely epic. Yeah. So that's probably my, my favourite gig um, from that band, or from any band, because my, my new band hasn't played a show yet. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's yeah. The, the standout one for me. Yeah. As a punter. Punter. Yeah. I'm trying to think. You're trying to remember what a gig is, aren't I you? I am. Uh, so I've got a few. I'm trying to remember now. I'm trying to remember now. I think um, I've seen the band called Your Demise in Southampton oh, on their yeah. farewell tour. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't, um, I was quite new to Southampton shows at the time. But, uh, yeah. but I was really into Your Demise. I lived, I lived in Salisbury. Southampton was only about, um, uh, what, half, half an hour away. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I managed to get two tickets for that. I took a friend of mine with me. And uh, went to that gig, and I absolutely loved it. I was really, um, really glad to see them call it a day. Yeah, they played Weymouth before they called it a day. Wow. Um, just in clarity, sorry, just to step back a little bit, I just want to remind people that uh, Connor is a vocalist. I don't think I've actually mentioned that. I'm really bad with that. I do apologise. That's okay. Um, yeah. Are you still, are you still just doing vocals in the most recent project, or are you um, playing guitar as well, or is it just strictly? No, mate. Vocals? Yeah. So still vocals. Um. So yeah, so vocals in the old band, vocals in this band. Um, yeah, uh, I feel like the vocals are quite similar um, uh, in both bands, which is, is good if yeah. people won't listen to it. Uh, I, I do play a bit of guitar and a bit of bass, but not enough to to, to warrant being in a band. So I think I think yeah, I shouting and screaming is my only is my talent. Yeah, yeah, I haven't even got that, mate. So you're <laughs> way ahead. Of me. You can talk well, though. So that, that's a good talent. I can talk well. Can't I just? I can talk my way out of any situation. What a fantastic talent. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so my favourite Your Demise album is Ignorance Never Died, mm. or Ignorance Never Dies mm. with a suck. Um, that album was like one of my favourite albums for quite a long time. Mm. Um, and now that I listen to it when I'm driving, I just want to like rev it and just go like beyond the speed. That yeah, it's really, it's really angry, really aggressive. The bass tone in that album is absolutely disgusting. Mm. And it's like really grindy and clangy, and yeah, that that album is fucking amazing. It's really, really good, and it kind of all flows into each other. And there's a bit in it where it kind of goes like dubstepy. I'll admit, it's not an album I've listened to in much detail. I think uh, what what's the the key single from there, which is "Bloodstains and the Blade." Is that the one? No, it's the clocks aren't ticking backwards. Oh no, okay, uh, I'm thinking about the wrong album. There's also a song called Black Veins. No, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna admit here uh, that um, my my your demise love falls from uh, the kids we used to be yeah. uh, onwards. Although uh, yeah, a few a few of the songs on the older albums I'm I'm, I, I, I'm familiar with and I like, but uh, yeah, definitely check out Ignorance Never Dies, mate, because it is it's a really solid album. 
like it's definitely stood the test of time i love it when like bands release albums that at that stage it sounds to me like the production value is absolutely through the roof mm. and then 10 years later you listen back to it and it still still stands up by itself um yeah i think they toured they played weymouth uh they were on tour with a band called last witness yes um so yeah they, they were really good actually there was a point where i uh i remember as a sort of event coordinator specifically telling them to put the elvis statue down what <laughs> they were taking pictures of uh i've probably got a picture of it somewhere to be fair there's like a sort of statue at the pavilion which is like weymouth's like big venue right and they're all like trying to put like a cigarette in his mouth and like trying to take pictures of it amazing <laughs> like all of them with the elvis statue yeah and I think that Elvis statue is probably one of like the oldest things in Weymouth. So we were like, please don't break it. I, I did uh, see... Really, uh, yeah. I've seen your demise as well, I think, in the Coco in London. I, mean, I think that was the day to remember, but that being a much bigger venue, the, the vibe wasn't quite yeah. the same as being the joiners because the joiners was packed yeah, out. Yeah. I don't know how big the pavilion was. Yeah, it's a decent size venue. Okay. It's um, probably about 10 times as big as the joiners. Oh, okay. The joiners is a very unique venue though isn't it yeah uh, awesome venue i've played there a handful of times um and every time i have i, I really enjoy it because being of the size band that i've played in um yeah. i mean occasionally i've supported some bigger bands which has always been really great um yeah. but uh being on a stage that size is, is really quite great to to, to play on really yeah. enjoyed that quite high up as well isn't it exactly that it's, it's quite a big stage for what it is and yeah it's very high up so um lots of the shows i've played are just like f- floor stages have you played uh, have you been yeah. to basingstoke called the sanctuary no I haven't um it, it's like a, a pub bar thing and there is no stage it's just the floor yeah, yeah um yeah. which i'm all too familiar with but yeah so it's nice playing playing the joiners and having that sort of height there's a band that i followed for quite a while um i can't remember what they were called i think this is going back some, so apologies if this is wrong, but I think there was a band in Yeovil called the Ashira, um, and the drummer of Ashira actually became the drummer of Palm Reader, which I think off the top of my head is called Dan. Okay. Um, and he's still in Palm Reader to this day, and they, I think at one point they played four gigs in one day. Oh my god, dude. And they would go and basically from like Skittle Alley to Skittle Alley. And they've actually done ridiculously well for themselves by putting themselves out there like you explained earlier like just saying yes to every single gig yeah yeah um but yeah they they really really worked really hard for that and it's good to see that that can work rather than just um getting taken advantage of all the time absolutely asking a promoter for a fiver it's not a situation you want to be in no absolutely not yeah there we go so um what was your um, favorite band, sorry to, to see. Uh, it was the Aldermise gig at the Joiners. Yeah, yeah, nice. I want to go back to the Joiners now. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I've been to, I've been to, been to many shows there as well. Uh, I think more than I've probably played yeah. there, but yeah, it's a really great venue. Yeah, one of the um gigs I remember going to there was seeing the Safety Fire. Um, who else did I see? I saw. Jesus Christ, I'm going back way far now. Um, I can't remember. They were Scottish. And uh, I remember the singer said, I want to see a war of death. <laughs> and I just pissed myself laughing because it was just the funniest thing ever. 
I want to say, oh God, I've, I saw them at Takedown Fest as well, which was in Southampton University. I, I played Takedown Fest um, right. with Old Boy. So uh, that was uh, well, in the first like few shows that I played. It was 20, 2015. Mm. Uh, this, this came up in my time hop the other day. Yeah. Uh, we were like uh, second in on the introducing stage, but I got the access to the whole day for free. So that was brilliant. Um, and yeah, yes. I think Heart of a Coward played uh, that same day. Um, uh, Creeper mm. played that same day. Um, in Me played that day. Uh, yeah, the, 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 yes. there, there was a, quite a few bands. Uh, no, I'm just going to look at. Give me a sec. Take down. Yeah, yeah. 2015. Clash Finder. Uh, uh, oh, Zokes. Do you remember Zokes? No. Oh, they're no, a great, a great band. Um, the Blackout played that day. Mallory Knox. Oh, yeah. Asteroid yeah, Boys, yeah. Milk Teeth, Decade, Moose Blood, Baby Godzilla. Baby Godzilla yeah. were epic. Um, yeah. Blood Youth played. Our Hollow, Our Home played. The Hell. Uh, Bleed from Within, Heart of a Coward. Oh. Bleed from Within. That was that. Ah, okay. That was the Wall of Death. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, so here's my yeah. So old boy, we, we, we were second on the yeah. Southampton music stage. Uh, yeah. Then there's Oh Create to Inspire played that. Griever played that day. Uh, mm -hmm. So then Shapes and the One Hundred. <laughs> Little random anecdote from uh, going to Takedown Fest. There was a monster truck filled with Monster Energy drink in the middle of the forecourt. Literally, you would go up to the monster truck and they would give you like two cans of Monster, and I basically got there for free because I was part of Hourglass Promotions, so I was kind of like a friend of a friend, and I got yeah. there for free. And I had a backpack, so I just started ramming all of these monster drinks into my oh, backpack, man. and I just going back to the monster truck, and eventually they figured out that I was just like stashing it all. And I, I don't know what possessed me to say this, but I literally said to the guy that was like refusing to give me any more energy drink, I said, don't you know who I am? I run this <laughs> festival. <laughs> Did he give you more? <laughs> He gave me two more, and he was like, right, that's a lot now. Because uh, I must have been the most energetic promoter going if I was genuinely drinking all of that whilst trying to run a four-stage event, you know, a mental, mental gig. But, yeah, good fun, good fun. Um, what's, the, uh, what's the worst gig you've ever played, and what's the worst gig you've ever been to? Okay, so the worst gig I've ever played was actually uh, the first gig I ever played with that band. Uh, only in hindsight, because when it was my first gig, I was so excited. Um, but yeah. um, looking back, it, it was a, we we got brought in really last minute. We we uh, filling in for a band that um that dropped out, and um, it was on a Sunday night at the Talking Heads in Southampton. Talking Heads in Southampton, and I think there was maybe two paying people there, and the rest were bands. Um, so yeah. in hindsight, really embarrassing. But at the time, I was I was buzzed because it was my first show, and a friend of mine from uni came and took photographs of us as well. So we probably, oh. I mean, the photographs looked okay, but imagine seeing <laughs> a band with no one there and, and someone taking photos of them. Uh, it, was, it would have been yeah. quite 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 funny to see from a, from a third person perspective. Yeah, definitely. Uh, what's the second part of your question? It's just quickly. It's it's funny that like. I've seen a lot of bands that pretend that they've got this huge fan mm. base and you, you go to the gigs and you see people taking pictures and it looks like the stage, like there's obviously a lot going on on the stage and it looks like, um, you know, you think to yourself, there must be a huge crowd that they're playing for. 
And it turns out that they're actually not playing to anyone. Oh, just on top of that as well. So when we went over yeah. to Europe, um, uh, it was a little bit sketchy because the guy that we, we, we paid to book some of these shows, um, uh, we paid half of it and he got some of the shows booked and the rest he just sort of dropped on the face of the earth. Um, in yeah. hindsight, it's probably a really dodgy idea to do this, but he did end up booking a tour for us. Um, the, the, first, the, the, the first few shows were way better than we expected. But yeah. we went to Lille in France and um, the, uh, the place wasn't open. There was no promoter. So we were a bit stuck. And we ended up having yeah. to try and communicate in half-baked French to the venue owner uh, who wasn't aware yeah. there was a gig going on. Uh, all in all, it came down that I think there was... It was just us playing. There was no support bands. Uh, yeah. Uh, and um, oh no, there was one support band. It was a, it was like a three piece support band where they had no drummer. Um, it was really weird. They they had this uh, backing track, and we played like a half an hour set to literally three French people. But those three French people loved it. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was one of the worst shows because it's just a ridiculous story. Um, but kind of funny as yeah. well because uh, it's just just a really good memory. But yeah, three French people they, they end up buying CDs of ours. Plus, yeah, 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 really weird show. But no one was there, but there, there was there was people. There's someone taking photos for us there as well, and the photos looked good. But you wouldn't believe that there was this desolate yeah. room behind it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, exactly, it's isn't it? I'd, um, I'd rather play to three people that bought my merch than three hundred people that weren't there. Yeah, us. true that, true that. Um, one of my one of my idols. This has completely gone off now, but sod it. There's no going back now. Um, one of my idols is Henry Rollins, and uh, when he was in Black Flag, he opened for mm. Iron Maiden for like twenty times, and there were literally people going up to him and going, "We're not here for Black Flag. We're we're here for oh Iron God. Maiden." Uh, Henry Rollins was like, "I'm not going to let these people like ruin my tour experience with like you know everyone from Iron Maiden's obviously epic and everyone stands up by themselves like Steve Harris, you know, Bruce Dickinson, all those people, Adrian, whatever mm. his name is, and um, yeah, he was just one of those grinders that. Uh... But yeah, I'd I'd rather play to people that genuinely cared rather than people that were just there to kind of get a good position for the next band. Yeah, uh, see. I don't know what you can do there because um, I, I, I take an example of um, I took my my girlfriend uh, to go and see um, I think it was like it was a gig in Portsmouth um, and I think we were only there for like the last two acts but there was like a few acts before who of course I didn't want to see but I didn't really have a choice because they were on the bill so as a band do you ex- try and give yourself more exposure to lots of people and play to bigger crowds, or do you just straight up reject it and try and do it your own way? It's a difficult, difficult decision to make, I think. Yeah, I don't think there's a real like answer to that question. You just got to try it and see what happens, mm. I suppose. But imagine for like opening to like a huge band like Iron Maiden or Sepultura or someone like that, and then like all of your gear just completely goes to shit and breaks. That would be like, yeah, really embarrassing. I think when you go through the crap and you you feel like you've you know been put through the ringer a bit, you feel like you've earned it and you've you've earned that really valuable sort of stage mm. time that you can't really buy. You can't replicate that. Um, another one of my idols is uh, Kevin Hart, and he talks about the importance of having like stage time 
of like going up and bombing in front of like 200 people and being like a really bad comedian and that is genuinely worth its weight in gold sometimes i absolutely um, agree you, you just can't you think you learn more by failing and going yeah. through a crap experiences will make you into a better performer person yeah I've seen so many bands that like restring their guitar. Like one of their strings breaks, like mm. first song, they restring their guitar in like twenty seconds, and that's out of like pure panic and like I must survive this sort of attitude. Um, and it's funny to see like how reactive bands can be when shit does hit the fan. Like I've seen like drummers smash their cymbals. You know, they put their stick through the cymbal, or they break a stick. And they have to have stuff on, you know, hand to replace that. Because uh, otherwise you're going to get a rude awakening because you've got a one-handed drummer, essentially, for the, the rest of the set, which is not a good situation to be in. Unless you're in Death Leopard. What I'm going to do, Connor, is I'm just going to quickly add you back because we're at that fabled delay point in the uh, the uh, mm-hmm. podcast. So what I'm going to ask you next, just so that you're prepared, is I want to actually ask you about your project management experience and how you got okay, into project sure. management. So changing gears slightly, but just quickly for now, here's an ocean bottle advert. Cheers. Hey guys, just a quick ad read. Ocean Bottle. I recently reached out to this company as I thought their mission statement and attitude were absolutely fantastic. Support livelihoods, stop ocean plastic. These award-winning bottles come in a range of colours, including ocean blue, forest green, obsidian black and sun orange. Each bottle that is bought means the equivalent of 1,000 plastic bottles kept out of the ocean in places where plastic pollution is actually at its worst. These are 100% dishwasher safe and contained double-walled vacuum seals and are made from insulated stainless steel. They keep your cold drinks cold and your hot drinks hot. Join the award-winning team and get your own at www.oceanbottle.co. The current discount code I have access to is on my Instagram page, so please check out the Absolute Bedlam Podcast Instagram page on there to see the most recent one. Thanks to Ocean Bottle for allowing me to spread the good word of environmental sustainability. I cannot wait to get my own Ocean Blue one soon with my podcast logo front and centre. Anyway, back to the episode. Welcome back. So if the uh, Ocean Bottle ad works successfully, then I uh, just want to quickly give them a shout out in real time rather than just a pre-recorded ad. I'm currently uh, drinking from it now and it's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's kept my hot drinks hot for hours. Um, and if anyone fancies a go, then drop me a message and I'll give you a discount code. Unfortunately, I can't share them publicly because you get people that do something called skimming, which is uh, when you buy like 10 of something and then try and sell them on, which is not good. Don't do that, people. I think it's called scalping, actually. I'm not sure. A lot of people are trying to do it with the PS5 and sod them, right? Yeah, I didn't actually end up getting one, uh, but yeah, there, there's a, well, there is, I think, a shortage of of, of stock, isn't there? Yeah, yeah people, there is. are, people are buying them and selling them for obscene prices. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But yeah, if you fancy uh, helping the environment out, guys, then uh, ocean bottles are way forward. Sod plastic. Let's get reusable metal bottles and try and save the planet. So, project management, Connor. 
Yeah, that's my uh, my, my day job. Yeah, of course, eh? So just just quickly, how old are you? I'm 25. And how old were you when you got into project management and realised that that's what you wanted to do to pay the bills? So I went into project management uh, in in an unorthodox way, I think. So yeah. I, I, I'm, I joined the company I'm with at the moment um, yeah. uh, as a, a sales executive. That was what my previous experience was. Yeah. Um, and uh, it wasn't very successful on the sales side because software sales is it, it, a little bit more difficult than just what people think sales is like. Um, it, it's a very, very drawn out process. And um, the way the company wanted to approach these sales was, was different to, I think, what was required. So yeah. within about 12 months... Um, uh, an opportunity came up where um, I would start to do, to develop and learn skills as a project manager. Yeah, um, mainly through like just textbook learning and courses, and then um, yeah. an, an opportunity came up where I was able to shadow another project manager on a project site. I was on that site for about six months or so, yeah. and that, um, the company wanted to put me, you know, for, through this process of basically uh, skilling me up and. And training me and giving me the experience so that uh, I, I could manage my own projects. And then it, yeah. it was about twelve months down the line from when I first started uh, to, to to where I got my, my first project. Um, and, and since then, uh, I've been doing this job. Well, I've been a project manager now for, for three years or so, or some, yeah. almost three years maybe. And um, yeah, um, very challenging uh, projects um, in nature are. Are, are, are very unique and they have a lot of um, uh, different facets to them as, as why they can be great but also difficult at, at the same time. Yeah, um, lots of yeah lots. there's lots of things that can go wrong, but lots of uh, yeah. it's very satisfying once you deliver something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, here, here I am. I'm, I'm still very much learning. I feel like you're a student for life, you never stop learning, you can never ma- master a craft. Yeah, um, but I, I, yeah, I'm still very, very new in this journey. I, I feel like if it is going to be a career for me, which I, I, I think and hope that it will be, yeah. then uh, I've got uh, hopefully many years left to go and many years I yeah. can keep improving. Yeah, I think project management, from my experience of seeing it in action, is the uh, the willingness to adapt to the change that might not have been planned and your budget is now going to double to what you initially scoped out and you get something called scope creep don't you yeah yeah you're absolutely right so in in project management there's three things that will if something uh needs to change it's one of three things it's either the scope so you fit more work in uh the budget so you can throw more money at it or, or the timeline you keep the same you know resources and the same scope but you need to make it you know you, you need you need to make it last longer so in that triangle, that one of those three things will often flex. Um, so it depends on you know what what constraints you're working with. If, if it's a customer with a fixed budget, then of course the cost doesn't increase. But you either you know take out the scope or uh, parts of the scope, or, or you uh, increase the timeline to to, to to fit it to fit the budget. Yeah, is that um, APM? Uh, so that uh, uh, was just something I learned. It is in generic project management, I think, from PMP. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. uh, I'm. Um, I've got an agile certification called a, yeah. a cert- certified scrum master and believe okay. it or not, it's, it's not to do with rugby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, so scrum is, is an agile methodology in which how, how you deliver software um, frequently uh, um, yeah. and, um, and providing the most value as quickly as possible. So yeah. 
there's two main methods of project management one is waterfall which is you yeah. plant you plan things in advance you you, uh, you build things all in one phase and, and then you test things and then then you deliver and support uh, whereas yeah. agile um is uh, a methodology in which you you take on small pieces of work um and, yeah. and you 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 build and test that and then deliver it very quickly and then you take the next small piece of work so you're constantly delivering it and uh, providing value and also yeah. then if if the the, the long term vision changes because some of these projects are like two three years at a time and yeah, yeah. you may not always want the actual product you know uh, uh, by the time you start seeing it you could think mm-hmm. oh it's different to what I thought I might I might change things up now or let's have this feature let's have that feature you know you can you yeah. can adapt and change to that. Um, what you said about adapting is, is, is very true. You, know, you can only plan so much with uh, with projects, and a lot of things do change. So, adapting is, is a big thing there. Yeah, one of the um, the avenues that I want to get more into at some point. I've actually got someone in June, I think, coming on called uh, Justine Morehouse. She's a Six Sigma black belt. She's a lean Ooh. practitioner. Wow, very cool. So um, she's all about sort of non-value add and looking at stuff from a sort of process perspective and getting all your steps up on a sort of sticky note on a whiteboard, so to speak, stuff like that. Mm, yeah, uh, Kanban boards. They're, they're, they're yeah, really, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Awesome. I'll, 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 look forward, I'll look forward to hearing that. 5S, um, yeah, sustain, shine, all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I don't really know that much about it specifically. Um no, I'll admit I don't either. Um, I mean, there's a lot in project management that I, I'll happily admit I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I, as I say, you know, I think you're you're a student yeah. a student for life, and I think you can, all, all, if you can listen and, and learn to these things, then um, you'll do okay. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So yeah, agile is uh, the sort of the market leader at the moment, from what I've heard lately. I know Prince Project in Controlled Environments used to be the the sort of government framework and it used to be the sort of the one to go to but lately it seems that it's a amp or apm which one is it associate project management apm yeah so i'm I'm actually studying that at the moment i'm doing my capm which is my certified approach to associate project management yeah Um, i think it all falls within pmp i think yeah um uh, but yeah so um agile is definitely um, what people want want to to to, to go towards i think i don't have a print certification prince too but i think there's probably a lot of value in it anyway which is um yeah. it's, it's a lot more processor and sort of documentation orientated which yeah. is always going to be beneficial um I, I don't think you can be one or the other so especially in, yeah. in the agile world um some of my colleagues that i speak to uh, and and customers that they always want want to be agile they want to do agile and you, yeah. you can't do agile you need to be agile but you know you can always be an evangelist and want to want to do things 100 percent. but in reality when it comes down down to the day-to-day often yeah. the businesses can't can't do it 100 percent. you know you need to, to do like a hybrid of things you know yeah, yeah, yeah. for instance one of the key downs or the, the benefits uh uh of agile is that you can turn things around very quickly but you, you can't plan a lot in advance and, and what yeah. what businesses are going to say oh yeah we'll give you, you know, any budget you, you should keep delivering for us yeah, no, no one really just gives you unlimited money, so, so you need to do a certain amount of planning up front, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is where you do break away from that slightly. Um, yeah, and it just needs, no, needs to happen, it, it all depends on the customer, I suppose. Yeah, just um, quickly on that sort of unlimited money thing, have you ever seen Family Guy Blue Harvest? I've seen a lot of Family Guy, I, I don't know what you mean by Blue Harvest. 
Blue Harvest is the um, Star Wars parody. Oh, maybe. So they, they did like a parody of like A New Hope, which was the first Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit where Darth Vader talks about this exhaust. Um, like if a laser goes in the exhaust and it will blow up the whole Death Star, which is obviously what happens. Uh, that's not a spoiler, by the way, guys. It's like a film. <laughs> Get it your lives, all right? Like, Chill out. No. Yeah. Well, it's like almost like 50 years old, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, they talk about the fact that, you know, if one laser gets in this exhaust, then the whole Death Star is going to blow. And um, <laughs> they talk about, like, to an architecture, Darth Vader's, I think he's uh, Stewie, the baby. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, get some quotes, get some quotes. I'm not sure if I want to uh, patch this up yet. And it's just so funny. Like, <laughs> The way it was like, money is no object, money is no object. And then they're like, oh, actually, no, get some quotes first before we patch this up. Because it's just funny. Like, that, that's just how I see a lot of uh, just IT, really. The budget doesn't really get recognized until you get hacked. And then all of a sudden, the money sort of just comes out of nowhere. And it's very reactive and very... Uh, yeah, a good point there. I'm currently dealing with with, with, a, with the reactive situation in which um uh, uh you know the, the the business hasn't prepared uh much yeah. and now they're in a bit of a dire situation where they've got to pay a large fee now um yeah, yeah whereas it, yeah. if they were proactive with this uh, work and maintenance it, it would have been much probably cheaper and, and would have been able to deal with it and handle it easier yeah hindsight's a weird thing isn't it exactly so i'm um, just to run this all up into a nice little bow um What's your favourite bits of project management? What are you really enjoying about it? I really enjoy um, um, the, the the people side of things. Yeah. So I, I think people management um, and not management. That one eye opener for me was I thought project management was a, you plan everything, you tell people what to do, and they just do it for you. But yeah. it's, it's not yeah. the case, and especially in, in the, the company that I work for. So we split our. Um, I don't know until call it resources. We, the, the consultants that, that, that serve on the projects, um, they work on, on various projects. So a lot of the time, you you know, they, they've got different priorities uh, and they've got different milestones and targets to meet for certain for, for certain pieces of work. And so, be being able to just to talk to someone um, and and others understand from them, you know, what what you're dealing with. How can I help you? Um, and often, you know, every now and again, you get a bit of thanks to say, you know, thanks for helping me through that. Not not yeah. everyone sort of talks talk, talks to me like that and helps me out. They just expect me to to deliver, and you know, life's imperfect. You know, the the, the world is imperfect. Not everything goes to plan. You, you're be- you're better off being on the side of, of of people rather than on the side of, you know, pressure and customers and money. You know, within reason. You know, I'm not not going to go pissing away money. But um, yeah, if it, if it comes down to to someone having a really tough. Uh, 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 weekend work to try and fit sit some work in, or you just push it into the next week. You know, just push it into the next week. Yeah, no, I get what you mean. Um, yeah, the the one thing I always hear about project management is um, it's, it's a single word and it scares people. It's called deliverables. Mm. So everything that you say that you're going to do in your project, you have to sort of manage the expectation of and gather the requirements of and that's unfortunately where scope creep comes in Mm -hmm. is because people say oh whilst you're there can you do this as well yeah and uh someone that works in it i'm often getting collared in hallways and uh ask to put you know 
things at the top of the list that don't actually exist, stuff like that. Yeah, and it, it, expectation management is a big thing, a big, big thing. Um, you know, people need to need to try and understand um, where their where their priorities fit. You know, in, in the grand scheme of things, because to to some people, their pri- their number one priority is not number oh, one yeah. priority out to other people. Um, so it, yeah, definitely. It, it, yeah, people management in it, it's. <laughs> you've got to try and play the game a little bit if someone says I need it straight away so, you know, do you really yeah. do you really you know uh, you know uh, yeah. uh, what what bit do you need what are you trying what are you trying to to to, to deliver here um you know Definitely. cannot wait until tomorrow because you know, you, know yeah. you didn't know that I've also got these three other things that I need to do like immediately yeah, yeah. what is this currently breaking right now like, exactly uh, what what's the impact if this doesn't get fixed asap yeah. so oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah you know is it going to uh, kill someone no <laughs> yeah yeah then you get uh this is hypothetical guys don't don't come after me you get a uh, julie from finance <laughs> then going on only for three weeks after telling you know everything that you know telling you that everything's urgent but then she goes off <laughs> and she's the only person that knows about the problem yeah exactly um, all good uh, the best thing to do, obviously, with customers in general, really, is to what's it called? Um, under, uh, 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 under, uh, under promise, no deliver. deliver. That's it. Yeah. yeah. It, oh, it, thank God you're here. You don't want to say uh, under deliver and over promise. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to say that. The uh, twelve people that listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So now. I, I really need a jingle for this because it it'll probably help compartmentalise this whole episode. Really, we're on to meal deal corner. Okay. So I know that this is something that you've been excited about. Probably the only reason you're putting up with any of this in the first place, to be honest. But <laughs> uh, recently discovering that you're a vegan, I'm genuinely interested to know what your thoughts are on your favourite meal deal. Okay, so favourite meal deal. This is a difficult one because it, until recent years. The, the only meal deal you could really get was a falafel wrap. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, you, you 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 deal with it. It's fine. It's an option. But it's it's it's, it's not. It, imagine being forced a ham sandwich every time you had you had a meal deal. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, fine. Let's say uh, my favorite, because depending on where you go, different yeah. places give you different options. So, let's say a falafel wrap is my, is my meal deal. Um, I'll probably have a bottle of. Um, Pepsi Max. Um, nice. Although, if I can, I, I like to have a can of something. I prefer uh, metal over plastic. Um, uh, n- not for environmental reasons, even mm. though that's a, that's a factor. But um, I prefer to have a can rather than a bottle. Tastes better, doesn't it? It does. It really does. Yeah. Um, it does. And then uh, crisps-wise, uh, I can often be quite boring. I can. Uh, I don't mind really salted. But I'll also have something like uh, uh, um, flaming hot Doritos or like prawn cocktail crisps yeah are there um are there any crisps out there in the world that aren't vegan yeah uh annoyingly quite a lot um oh, right. so, so like uh, cheese flavors is an obvious one but the, the worst yeah. thing for me is that you, you'll get a flavor like salt and vinegar um from walkers i i think anyway um and and mm. there should be nothing in there that's like not a vegan but it's got like milk powder in it yeah and you think come on just just Take the milk powder around, and a lot, and I can eat it. <laughs> yeah, one thing I've noticed um, since being with my girlfriend—I've nearly been with her for three years now. So shout out to her for putting up with me for so long. Um, is she doesn't really like mayonnaise? Mm-hmm. 
So that is like 95% of wraps, sandwiches, baguettes, yeah. anything yeah, like yeah. that. And it's just funny how like supermarkets have just gone, yeah, well, people are just going to have to put up with mayonnaise, aren't they? Yeah, it's that. Or you, I think you, Tesco offer like just a plain ham sandwich, don't they? Uh, like, yeah. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, mayonnaise is in a big, uh, a lot of things. Shout yeah. out to Hellman's for vegan mayonnaise. It's very good. Yeah, it's green, isn't it? Yeah. I oh, know the the mayonnaise yeah, is not green. it's not green, but no, the, the jar. Probably. <laughs> yeah. I should really clarify. What <laughs> green mayonnaise. Yeah. Halloween. Yeah. Um. I. I but I mean, I, I was just going back to, to vegan. Um. Being a vegan in, yeah. in this day and age is is really easy. Um. There's. Yeah. Uh, you probably would have seen it, but every every January there's an influx of vegan products. Um, Veganuary, exactly, yeah, yeah. and it, it it just makes it a lot more accessible. So, so now I can get like uh, like cakes and ice creams and stuff. Like Ben and Jerry's do a vegan ice cream, and Richmond yeah. do vegan sausages, and they taste really good. So there's a lot of things that you can buy now, which, which makes it a lot a lot easier. Yeah, no, fair enough. That's really good to know, actually. Mm. If you fancy uh, giving it a go next year, guys. Yeah, if you have fans of being vegan, why not try it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I might give it a go actually. Uh, there's, there's, there's no harm in it. Uh, uh, at least, at least you can finish it and, and say you didn't like it. Um, yeah, I, I shared a meme earlier um, that I thought was quite funny because you always know someone uh, that this is like, oh, I tried being vegan, but I was really ill. Um, uh, yeah, but but yeah. you, you know that their diet was chips and uh, a, a banana and 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 chips and yeah. Oreos. It's like maybe have some vitamins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just ride the stereotypical diet all the way to Valhalla and just yeah. uh, moan about it. Yeah, exactly. It. So, don't know how people do this. And then you get other people, I imagine, on the other side that are like, oh, you just eat lettuce. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, oh, you just eat carrots. It's hilarious. So, I mean, I, I, yeah. I, I play golf. Um, yeah. which is, it's not really a stereotypical, you know, ba- singer in a band, um, vegan, plays golf. Anyway, yeah. uh, I, I have a, I have a good laugh with the guy, the, the guy that golf, but and the, <laughs> when I'm like when, I, when I've hit my ball into like the trees or something, they always make a joke that I'm going to find my lunch. No, like, <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, uh, you are right. Um, like if I'll order like mm. like a, a sausage sandwich with vegan sausages, they're like, oh, I didn't know you can have that. I thought you just eat lettuce. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't just eat lettuce, believe it or not. You're quite a calm chap, though, so I don't imagine that that sort of tips you over the edge. No, it doesn't. Um, although this this one time I was out for a night out with, 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 with... <laughs> here we go, here we go. So, so, some of the guys at golf, uh, we're out for this night out. Um, we have like a golf weekend, and oh, one of them was saying to me so persistently, like, "Would you eat this?" It, it was like some sort of shellfish. Yeah. And I said, oh, it technically hasn't hasn't yeah. got a heart or anything. So, would you eat it? I was like, "No." He goes, "Oh, but." But it's it's it, 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 it's it's not alive, so technically you can eat it. It's like, I'm not gonna fucking eat it. Just <laughs> yeah. so yeah, normally yeah. quite calm, but I was being so persistent, and I, I broke. <laughs> he broke mm. you. Love it. Well, thank you very much for your time today, Connor. I do appreciate. Thanks for it. having me. Yeah, it's Tuesday night, guys. So we're going to turn in for the night. But I've got um, Marcus Burns on this Sunday. He's in a band called Canassis. So I'm going to catch up with them, find out how they're getting on through lockdown. I think, off the top of my head, I think they're writing currently, so they're potentially going to put an album out, or they've been sat on an album for 11 months and climbing. So, uh, looking forward to reconnecting with him. So, yeah, 
uh, if Connor, if you don't mind sharing this about, I'll probably have it uploaded in about an hour. Yeah, sounds good. I'll share it around, mate. That sounds good. And I'll uh, I'll send you the uh, croc uh, hand glider thing that I've got on my notes right in front yeah, of me. Yeah, please do. And, and uh, I think send, send through um, I think, yeah, some sort of soundtrack you're going to find as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice one. Yeah, we'll do. Nice one. Well, good to speak to you, mate. Nice. And I'll speak to you yeah. soon. Cheers. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Cheers.